This is The Guardian. Hey, it's Mike. Today we bring you the fourth episode of the extraordinary story of Julia, a woman who escaped modern slavery right here in the UK. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes, then I suggest you go back, listen to those in order, and then click this one. A warning before we start, this series includes references to suicidal thoughts and descriptions of sexual exploitation and violence, so take care when listening. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. It's the morning of the 24th of February, 2022 about a month after Julia's exploiters began their prison sentences. She's on the bus home after a long night shift, absolutely shattered, when her phone vibrates in her pocket. It's a text from one of her friends. She opens the message, and her world falls apart. She was, like, scared. She said, look what happened. They bomb in airport. Thirty miles where my daughter in the village. This is BBC News. I'm Lucy Hawkins. Our top stories. Russia launches a full-scale attack on Ukraine from multiple directions. And I start looking the news, and I see how this bombing and comments from the people and everything. And this day, I just I can't stop crying. Something hold my heart and squeezing or something. I can't breathe and I can't talk in anything. I just I don't know. It's not it's not even being cries. It's being like I'm. I, I, I don't have a voice to describe this in English. My daughter needs me, she needs my help. And I've been ready to left everything. I've been ready, like, I don't care about the flood, I don't care about the work, I've just been ready to go in Ukraine. When the bombs start falling that morning, Julia is still hundreds of miles from Marta. It's been two and a half years since Martin found her in the brothel. But even though the government recognises her as a trafficking victim, the Home Office still hasn't decided whether or not she's allowed to stay in the UK as a refugee. Julia has told the Home Office she's too scared to go home. Her traffickers know where her family lives and she's convinced they will come after her and her daughter if she returns. Without that asylum decision, Julia can't start the process of bringing her daughter Marta to the UK. She hasn't seen or held her child for nearly eight years. And now, Marta's in a war zone. She called me 
weeping, absolutely horrified about what was happening. I was so angry with homophobia, so disappointed, so upset. I can't help my daughter. She's not allowed to go back to Ukraine. It would have put put everything at risk because she would have basically given up the refugee status if she went back. I comforted her a lot and then I said, I'm going to have to call you back and we're going to create a plan and it's not going to be the quickest thing, but I will call you back as soon as I have ideas about what we do next. From The Guardian, I'm Annie Kelly. Today in Focus, the woman who took on her traffickers and won. Part 4. Marta. The morning that Russia invades Ukraine, Julia is frantic, watching powerless as bombs rain down on her country. I just keep looking at the news, if nothing more happened... I speak with my ex-husband because my daughter being with my ex-husband's parents. I speak with my ex-husband's mom. She said they make shelter ready for bombing, which they hide in. And I try to call them every half an hour and being in the phone with them. She desperately tries to comfort Marta, but her daughter is terrified. The air alarm starting and the children start screaming. A few hours later... In another part of the UK, Sarah is also on the phone, trying to work out a way of getting a teenage girl out of a war zone when she receives an email. From her solicitor, the email just said, finally, decision granted or something. I opened it, like freaked out. I was like so excited. This for me was the biggest thing because it was the the most uncertain part of her journey and it would give a lot of stability and open up these new opportunities to reunite with family. I think lots of people would presume if you are a victim of trafficking, if you've then assisted police through a criminal prosecution where there's been a conviction, that there would be no question that you would get asylum or even that it it would be surprising to them that she wouldn't have had asylum by the end of the trial. Can you kind of explain that? I wish it was more of a kind of... um sure thing for victims of trafficking in the UK. But ultimately, asylum comes down to, are you at risk of persecution by a government or at risk of harm for some other reason if you return. And for her and the solicitors I was working with, you know, I was constantly checking in with them. Do we do we have a good case? There aren't that many Ukrainians with asylum in this country, like with refugee status at the time anyhow. So it, there was a lot on the police providing enough evidence to the Home Office to say this is a dangerous gang. She has very real reason to feel threatened by them, to feel concerned if she were to return to the country. And I helped coordinate a lot of support letters from Martin, from myself, um, from her counselor to go to the Home Office to support and build that picture of she, she is terrified to return home and it's very genuine. Sara calling me and say about the, I have news for you. Did you see my email, you say? I have some news for you. Which news? That you have, you're a refugee. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got your decision today. Congratulations. 
I know. What a day, huh? <laughs> I know. But you have it. It's in your inbox. It's in your email. Waiting for you, okay? Yeah. Yeah? Thank you. This was such an emotional call because there was no guarantee that this decision would have gone their way. In fact, quite the opposite. Home office data from 2016 to 2021 shows that 6,066 victims of trafficking requested leave to remain in the UK. Only 447 were allowed to stay. That's just 7%. Julia's belief that she'd be in danger if she was forced to return to Ukraine isn't just paranoia. People who have been trafficked are often more vulnerable to being exploited again once they're sent back to their home countries. I've seen this myself in my reporting over the years. Multiple cases where police find people in trafficking situations in the UK for a second or third time cycle through brothels or nail bars or cannabis houses over and over again. For Julia, her refugee status is a huge step towards safety. But that afternoon of the 24th of February, it comes as little comfort. Even after Sarah said to me, I have my refugee status, but I start crying. I even don't be happy. I don't feel happy. I've been frustrated. It's, yeah, this, I have like I have little relief, but I've been very upset because I have to worry about daughter. Even though Julia now has asylum, she doesn't have her travel documents yet. And her husband's family are refusing to take her daughter to the border of a neighbouring country. They tell Julia the only way for Marta to make that journey is to get on a bus and go alone. For Julia, who was trafficked over a border, that's not happening. She never been in the city, which bus station? But you, I ask her, what you, why are you sending me this? Why are you talking to me like this? Go put your son, send your son alone all this way. The Russian people, everyone, we don't know what's going to be happen. So they were saying that she should go by herself to the border? Yes, she said she have to go in by herself. What was it like trying to support her through that time? Yeah, it was um, like a daily crisis. I think... Her main frustration besides just, is a bomb going to drop on my daughter and on my family, was I'm not there to be with them, to go through this with them. I'm not there to hold her and comfort her. And she started talking about going back to Ukraine, finding a way back um, right after she got asylum. Like So it was a crisis on top of a crisis on top of a crisis. Um, and every day was tearful, was panic attacks total just understandable like fear for her family and as the war got closer and closer to where her family was that added to the the fear and the trauma. Sarah works all of her contacts and finally a few weeks later there's a plan of how to get Marta out. We can't give the details of how but Marta is accompanied over the border and to a safe house in a neighbouring country. We had people 
supporting the daughter the entire way. Um, she was never alone. And because we know the risk of, you know, if, if we didn't support properly and she fell into the hands of the wrong person who preys on her vulnerability, then we have the whole thing repeating over again with the next generation. Even the thought of her daughter falling into the wrong hands, like just motivated, I think, my entire team to work around the clock because it's just a really real risk, especially in a time of war. It's during this time that Julia comes to meet us at the Guardian offices. Marta has just got safely across the border. Julia is waiting for the travel documents that will allow her to go out and finally bring her daughter to the UK. I still feel tired after what happened. But the relief must, you must have felt. Yeah. So happy. How does it feel thinking that she will be coming to the UK? I'm just thinking how I want to cuddle her. You haven't seen her for how many years? From 2014. Long time. Have you got the house arranged for her? Yes. Everything ready for her. The coffee. You're welcome. I just have two coffee. It's eight months later, and we've just arrived with Sarah at Julia's home in a quiet English suburb. She cracks open the biscuits, and we sit down to record. Thank you. Gorgeous. Thank you. Um, you know, obviously, you're now here with your daughter. I wonder if you could tell us about what it was like when you were first reunited with her. Ah. Uh. <laughs> It was, uh, I don't know, it was amazing feeling. When I going from my country, she was small and, uh, you know, a small child, open hands and everything. And when I come in, this is being adult person, can say. Mm-hmm. Teenager has been a little different feeling. <laughs> when I meet her, both cuddling, crying a lot, being very happy. It's been quite a while since we last saw you. How's yeah. how's everything been? Is everything good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course this is good. I don't need to. I still have um, nightmare. I still have scare sometimes at work. This got plenty Polish people. I always try to be very careful what I say, what I do. Uh, don't talk in much about when they ask. Because they ask a lot, where I'm from, how long I'm here, do I have children, do I marry? I'm very careful with that. So you feel like you're constantly looking over your shoulder and you don't you don't want anyone to work out yes. anything about who you are or where you're from? Yes, and as well, um, I scared the, my boys after prison. I scared they can try to find me after prison. I'm so sorry. That's that's like that's really horrible. After everything um, you've been through, I'm really sorry. I'm I'm always feel like pay attention. Like yeah. most time when you know when you're doing something, when you're busy, it's okay. But when you spend time alone doing things, you don't speak with anyone. It's all the time and back in your head, past and everything. Mm-hmm. When my daughter, many times she asked me she want to go in for walk. And I don't allow to her. I try to explain to her when I be sure, because 
She walking, she put earphone and listen music and walking around. She not pay attention. I say, you don't understand. You can walk, car driving, just open the door and put you inside to the car. What are you going to do? I trust you, but I don't trust the people outside. And you want to go walk? Okay, go walk. I will walk in behind 20 meters, 30 meters. You safe and you can go and walk. Can you imagine a time when you will feel safe? I don't know, I think in my way, if I'm changed the name as well, then I think in it's one way she's safe, can say. On the future, if she study or she want to buy something, she's going to be safe because different name, different family name. But as well, always she's going to be at risk if I'm at risk. I know this. Because all business destroyed. This is not just like what the girls take 200 pounds and after being beat, as is destroy all business. They not be forgotten and forgiven. Mm -mm. It's now been just over a year since the sentencing. The four members of the gang have served their time. Alexander is the only one still in custody. He's being held under immigration powers while another investigation continues in Poland. As for the other gangs, who also exploited Julia in the UK, the ones who trafficked her from Ukraine and the bosses in the first brothel she worked in, who sent her violent customers, they are still free. Martin says the police are following lines of inquiry, but they do not know where they are. It's hard not to think that despite the best efforts of people like Julia and Sarah and Martin, it feels like the police are only ever able to scratch the surface. We'll be back after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Since the modern slavery legislation came in in 2015, not one person has received a life sentence. Since 2017, the average sentence for convicted traffickers, where this was the most serious charge, is between three and seven years, of which they're likely to serve half. I spoke to different lawyers and anti-trafficking experts about this, and nobody seems to have a definitive answer as to why sentencing for trafficking and sexual exploitation is so low. They all agree that the crime of modern slavery is still not understood enough by the courts, judges, juries and many police forces across the country. And it's often far easier for the CPS to charge under other crimes, like controlling prostitution for gain, which are far easier to prove and where they know they're more likely to get a conviction. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Over the past few years, the way the government has been talking about victims of trafficking has been changing. Now everyone agrees that we must fight the evil of modern slavery. I'm immensely proud of this country's global leadership in protecting genuine victims. But the hard truth is that our modern slavery laws are being abused by people gaming the system. It's not just the language either. There's been a steady erosion of the support that modern slavery victims are entitled to. Financial support has been slashed back. The anti-slavery commissioner post has been vacant since April last year. In England and Wales, victims now only get 30 days of recovery instead of 45. And late last year, the government announced they were making it harder for people to be identified as victims through the national referral mechanism, the NRM. This is at a time when, according to the Home Office's own figures, cases of suspected trafficking have hit an all-time high. There are over 21,000 potential victims of trafficking, slavery and forced labour reported in 2022. Then... Good evening. Earlier this month... Today we are introducing new legislation to keep my promise to you. To stop the boats. My policy is very simple. It is this country and your government who should decide who comes here and not criminal gangs. The government announced its plans for a new illegal migration bill. Mr Speaker, this bill enables detention of illegal arrivals without bail or judicial review within the first 28 days of detention until they can be removed. Under the proposed bill, anyone who enters the country through illegal routes could be detained and then deported almost immediately and prevented from claiming asylum. 
So what this bill does is because it imposes a duty on the Secretary of State to remove anybody who enters the UK by unofficial routes, even in circumstances where you've been trafficked into the UK. Ahmed Aidid is a human rights lawyer and the director of public law at Duncan Lewis. So, for example, if you've been brought to the UK by force, as we have clients who, who were forced in the back of lorries, trafficked into the UK, perhaps forced into cannabis cultivation or sex work, let's say, for example, that cannabis house is raided or that brothel is raided and survivors are potentially finally identified by the police, this duty on the Home Secretary to remove the survivor and the main priority is going to be to remove that individual rather than identifying them as survivors of trafficking. And so what would that mean for the police's ability to investigate modern slavery crimes? It would hugely hamper their ability to, to be able to collect evidence, in particular from survivors of trafficking, because not only will victims be removed, victims will also not want to come forward because they will be punished. So in fact, it's, it's going to be helpful to trafficking gangs because it's going to be difficult to identify them through this process because their victims will have been removed well before a criminal investigation can even be started, let alone uh, conclude. The government is arguing that some people are taking advantage of the modern slavery system. Rishi Sunak said, Once here, illegal migrants can make a multitude of asylum, modern slavery and spurious human rights claims to frustrate their removal. What do you make of that? When a statement of that kind is made, it needs to be more than evidence and in fact. The reality of it is there's no truth to those statements. There's no evidence for that. I mean, the Home Office themselves are, are the decision makers. And the Home Office agrees that 9 out of 10 people referred into the NRM are, are, are genuine victims. Those working with trafficking victims, including Justice and Care and the UK's former independent anti-slavery commissioner, have said these proposals are illegal breaking the European Convention Against Trafficking and the European Convention on Human Rights. As it currently stands, we are shutting the door on victims who are being trafficked into slavery here in the UK. If they come here illegally, they would not be supported to escape their slavery. The message from the UK government to the criminal trafficking and slavery gangs is this. Don't worry. So long as you bring people into the country illegally, we won't help them. In fact, we will help you. That is their message to the criminal gangs. We will help you. We will threaten those people with immediate detention and deportation so that you can increase your control over those trafficking victims. This bill is a trafficker's charter. We went to the Home Office for their response to how this bill will impact victims of modern slavery. This is what a spokesperson told us. Modern slavery is a barbaric crime and we remain committed to stamping it out. We provide support to thousands of victims each year and remain committed to targeting those who exploit individuals. Our modern slavery legislation gives law enforcement agencies the power to tackle modern slavery and imposes a maximum life sentence for perpetrators. However, it is clear that some elements of our modern slavery system need reform to allow the UK to appropriately focus its efforts and resources. 
The measures introduced in the Illegal Migration Bill will strengthen the UK's continued efforts to mitigate risks to public order from anyone who enters the UK illegally. I mean, it seems extraordinary, especially seeing it's the same government that launched the 2015 Modern Slavery Act with such fanfare. It seems extraordinary that they are highlighting modern slavery support provision and saying that they're going to take that away from anyone entering the country illegally. I mean, it's completely undone a lot of the uh, positive work that's been conducted over the last eight years to combat this horrific crime. And, and where significant progress needed to be made was more training for first responders. So, for example, the police, so that they're able to identify survivors much earlier on. But also the court, uh, in particular the magistrates and, 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 and the Crown Court. Because what we see on a regular basis in, in sentencing remarks in relation to our clients is that a judge will say, you know, you were forced to grow these plants in terms of uh, cannabis cultivation offences and water them and, and then to go on to sentence them for the offence. Uh, what we find a lot of the time is the CPS continuing to prosecute where there are clear indicators or the police failing to pick up on those indicators. And that's really where significant progress needs to be made. But unfortunately, I don't think there will be the ability to make much progress under this new bill because it really, in essence, provides immunity to trafficking gangs. The bill is still being debated in Parliament, but even if it doesn't become law, the damage is already done. When victims are brought to the UK, it'll be easy for traffickers to convince them that this is a country where there's no help. Let's imagine this proposed law was in place when Julia was found in that flat and it had been another police officer who'd come through her door. Because she'd entered the UK illegally, her immigration status would have been the defining factor in how she was treated, as a criminal instead of a potential victim. Maybe she never would have had the chance to meet someone like Sarah, or have been given long enough to decide to help the police. Alexander and his gang could still be out there, making money and booking in customers. And as Martin told me, Julia's help was crucial. He couldn't have done it without her. Her being involved is what basically got this home. And along with some others, because obviously there were other people that ultimately gave evidence because they were victims of exploitation themselves. But a key thing for me was when I was dealing with those other people, they didn't want to be the only one. So me being able to say, look, you're not, because somebody else has been brave enough to step forward and is actually going to be given evidence, that was a big confidence boost for the other people who subsequently came forward. We wouldn't, well, I say we, she wouldn't be where she is today had she have not taken up the offer of support when we first met and sort of invested some trust in me because she would still be working for them, I imagine. 
and I imagine, well, she, st she would still not be seeing her daughter. Her now being able to sort of start to rebuild her life now and be able to um, see her daughter again for me, that, that, that was, that, I was a, I was a bit of an emotional wreck when that all happened. Does it make you feel better thinking that you dismantled this business and you saved other women going through what you went through by stopping these people? No, this is why I'm happier. This is why I'm happy because many women now save. <laughs> of course, this is like always new, new bosses coming and always new, but it's many of them save. Martin was also saying that he learnt so much from you and from your case. He now is training other police officers and that actually the impact of this case that you did because of your bravery in coming forward will now mean that many other criminal gangs will also be stopped. Yes, I'm happy for that. I'm so happy for that. Julia's got a new job, a home, since the invasion in Ukraine, she's been supporting local refugees and making sure they get the help they need, using her experience to advocate for other women. Despite everything she's been through, she finally has a shot at getting what she's always wanted, a normal life for her and Marta. Yeah, we together now to build our life together. One day she will grow in, she will go and study, she will have jobs, she will have family. She said, Mom, stop it, you too much care. I'm no child, I understand. And I said, okay, we will see what you're gonna say when you have children. And she said, I'm never have children, I'm never married. Man is selfish, I never married. <laughs> Of course, these things will change when she meet one guy, nice guy. These things will gonna change. Thanks to Justice and Care for putting us in touch with Julia and supporting her through the production of this podcast, especially Sarah and Jamie, and to Surrey Police for allowing us access to their investigation. In order to protect identity, names in this series have been changed and Julia's voice has been altered. Suspected cases of modern slavery can be reported to the National Modern Slavery Helpline on 08000 121 700. If you're struggling with your mental health or having suicidal thoughts, please know that help is available. You can contact Samaritans any time of the day for free on 116-123 or email joe at samaritans.org. 
This series is reported and produced by me, Annie Kelly, and Elizabeth Casson. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Joshua Kelly. The commissioning editor is Nicole Jackson. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.